it, it yeah, will be just fine. Absolutely. Just around the riverbed. Beyond the shores. Were you guys watching Pocahontas? No. no. Oh, we were watching Hercules. <laughs> Hercules. Oh, is that Hercules? No, that was Pocahontas. That was definitely Pocahontas. Okay. So why are you singing Pocahontas if you're watching Hercules? <laughs> Once more. Oh, Marcus. Oh, man. Uh-oh. He really pissed me off the Uh-oh. other day. Uh-oh. I was re-listening to Donner's parties. Okay. And... And that's he when was the like, happened. the Native Americans can feel the land. They're connected to it. And I was just like, oh, that just makes me cringe <laughs> to the fucking moon. That made you angry? Yeah, it made oh, me so Jesus. mad. Well, how do you know Pick they, they can't? Huh? How do you know they can't? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. you know what? I've been painted <laughs> into a corner. So. <laughs> you painted yourself there. I don't know. I'm furious right well, now. Well, I'll just say this. I saw, like, a... Uh, a Native American cleansing ritual. How was it? For, uh, it was, it was awesome, actually. A lot cooler than just the, like, sage smudge. It's got my stick of burning shit. They, like, so he, he, like, he was, like, listening to the ground around where they're gonna bless or whatever. Mm. And then he had his little, like, uh, shell with burning stuff in it. And then he used the eagle feather to, like, smoke the room or whatever. Uh-huh. That's awesome. It's pretty fucking badass, yeah. to be honest with you. I don't yeah. know if it worked or not, but it was pretty sweet when it was going yeah. on. Remember when that baboon mixed <laughs> all that paint up in, uh, in painted the tree? Yeah, that sounds like that. <laughs> Which, who painted a tree? <laughs> Rafiki! The Lion King? I thought we were talking about real life. I was like, where did this happen? <laughs> Africa. <laughs> I instantly went to, do we work with somebody who did this or what? I'm like, a baboon? Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest with the, some of the intelligence of some p- folks Ugh. there, you can call them baboons, Or I at suppose. least buffoons. <laughs> or buffoon, I suppose. Are baboons actually, like, super intelligent? Every time you say baboon, I start laughing. Because <laughs> I don't think Adam meant it, at, like, actually yeah. saying it's baboon. baboon. Is it baboon? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that might be a, a, a gen- not a generational thing. That's a, that's generation. a generational thing. <laughs> it's like when um, when they said robots, oh, yeah. <laughs> like in the Twilight yeah. Zone and shit. <laughs> Wait, is there two bees in baboon? Uh, there's yeah. Three, yes. I think well, three. three bees. Okay, the first so one and B-A-B-B. then the double B. B-B. Okay, yeah. so maybe it is baboon. baboon. I'm, yeah, I'm confident it's baboon. Okay. I just All thought right. that was a what is the word I'm looking for. Charade. <laughs> She's like three ways. Hey, hey Macarena. <laughs> I look like George Bush doing that dance with those like Africans yeah. when he visited. Brutal. No, awful. he did that. Oh, he. It was like this. Yeah. Oh my! It Lord. was the back and it forth was... hand. George, not great on your end, George. No. GW, that's no good. <laughs> no. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast with motorcycles in the background. Hell yeah! <laughs> Who knows what it'll be about? <laughs> Certainly not me. My name is Adam. Sitting next to me, immediately to my left, from Creep It Real, is Ashley. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm I'm pretty good. How was your week? Fantastic. Did you accomplish everything you wanted to do? I accomplished so much. Great new episode, by the way. Thank you. Hell Thanks. yeah. Good job. Thanks. Really funny. You really mixed the... I mean, you know what I mean. The points that were uh. supposed to be funny <laughs> yes. were funny. Uh-huh. The delicate balance of humor and seriousness. Yes. It's right. pr- yes. It's right. a beautiful little picture that you have to paint. Thanks, guys. Good job, Ashley. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Also sitting directly across from me from Creep It Real is Bianca. Hello. Hey, how was your week? It was great. 
Did you accomplish everything you wanted? Yes. That's what I like to hear, Bianca. <laughs> Great job on your last episode. It was really funny. <laughs> you know what I mean. Not funny like that, but... <laughs> It's like a delicate a, balance. Either, I feel like I'm having deja vu right now. <laughs> I think he's reliving his personal groundhog stay over there. Right. <laughs> One minute Phil? at a time. <laughs> Ned, Ned Ryerson. <laughs> you, know, you know what I heard? Yeah. The Also sitting across okay. me is Cody from the Subliminal Deception podcast. Whoa. You got three guests in the house Holy right now. Shit. Holy Cody, shit. Cody, great episode, by Thank the way. Thank you. It was really funny. Thank you. <laughs> and was I serious when I needed to be? That delicate balance, Cody. Okay. okay. All right. Good job. Cody, tell me exactly what you were going to say. Okay. So speaking of Groundhog's Day, I heard that uh, the guy who created it was the nerd from Ghostbusters, Egon, yeah. right? Yeah. And he didn't, yeah. he didn't want the movie to be that way. Bill Murray said, no, we have to have a comedy. Yeah. So Bill oh. Murray steered it in the right direction. It could have been a piece of shit if it wasn't for Bill Murray. So R.I.P. to... Uh, Is he gone? He's, he's, yeah. he's, what's Robert... No. No, what's his damn name? <laughs> it's Egon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did he pass away? Yes. He made Stripes. He made Ghostbusters. He made Groundhog's Day. What did he pass Caddyshack. away? Caddyshack. Stripes? How are you guys feeling about Stripes? Meatballs. <laughs> Meatballs is a little outdated. Pulling the Bianca over there. Did you drop something? Uh oh, uh, we're gonna for the first ever time. You're gonna hear uh, intermission. I'll do <laughs> okay. music, dude. Uh, does, uh, we took an intermission. I threw coffee all over the table. Yeah, little accident. It happens. <laughs> so happens I don't remember where we were. So now we're gonna get right to the episode. Cody, it's your week. Oh yeah, we uh. We wanted the Creeper Real Girls here because they're the two spookiest girls we know. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so, have either of you heard of the Lindley, <laughs> Lindley Street Poltergeist? Uh, it's ringing I a bell, but is I, it? I don't know. The for book, sure. the book uh, that I got this from. You didn't ask me if I was familiar. Oh, with it. <laughs> are you familiar with nope. it? No, okay. he, you hide from ghost stories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the book I I took this from is the world's. Most Haunted House by William J. Hall. All right. That, it's an amazing paranormal book, okay? It's well written. It's very well written. Um, have you, okay, now, have all of you watched the movie Up? No. Yes. No. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> who said no? Everybody but me. me. <laughs> okay, well, uh, basically, this, is, this episode's going to be a lot like Up, where it's really sad at first. Then we're going to get to the action, okay? Remember so the, brace yourself, That's everybody. why I avoided up. Do you remember the episode of Always Sunny where the, the convenience store is getting robbed? And then Charlie has the up dream? No. Animated up dream? Ah, uh, does oh. his wife die or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. spoiler alert, yeah. by the way. Well, but, yeah. Whatever. If you haven't seen Up since <laughs> it you, came out in I, 2002. I yeah. got tricked. Yeah. I got tricked by it, so I'm saving everybody. Rewind, like Fast forward like 10 minutes into the movie, and then you're good to go. When the fat little Boy Scout comes? Yeah. All right. <laughs> no, no Boy Scout. Well, kind of Boy Scouts. Anyway. All right. So this week, we will be delving into one of the most profound poltergeist cases that I have ever read. Mm -hmm. It is eerily similar to the infamous Enfield poltergeist, but surprisingly transpired three years prior and is certainly much lesser known. It includes several of the key things that always seem to be involved with or poltergeist cases, which includes somewhat of a broken family that tragedy always seems to follow, and perhaps the most important, 
a young girl mm. on the edge of puberty. Ooh. Or perhaps, <laughs> I don't know, sometimes it's like the edge of puberty, sometimes it's like during it, right? Mm-hmm. Is everybody? Yeah. Edge the... of puberty, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you call a 10-year-old? I, t- well, I don't know if it's the edge of puberty. A, pr- a tween? So, a pre-pube. Some people are... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Some people blossom earlier than others. That's I, I got my period when I was nine or ten. Yeah. See, right Sheesh. here. Did you wanted to know. I'm still waiting for mine. <laughs> Bianca, did you have any poltergeist-like activity? No, I was on a cruise when mm. it happened. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that doesn't mean anything. There's haunted ships all over the gaff. International waters. That's yeah, that's why. Place. You guys ever heard of the Queen Mary? Yes. Yeah. No. She was aboard that when that happened. <laughs> that's, yeah. Still yep. lingering. When it, was, when it was set in sail in 1926. That's when I got my beard. <laughs> now... I am still questioning whether this entire story is actually real or a hoax. Anytime the Warrens become involved, as we know from the Amityville haunting episode, generally it turns into a sideshow to make money. But this haunting in particular has so many witnesses, which includes police officers, firemen, neighbors, and so many other people, we can't even name them all. Now, speaking a little bit about the author and where he got the information from. So essentially, there's a paranormal investigator that's going to become prevalent in part two, but he mapped out this entire saga, got all the witness accounts, all of that shit. Um, He's a very skeptical paranormal investigator which i take a lot more serious and then the author later on got the all the information from him and crafted the book turned it into a nice story right because this Uh, is going to take place in the 60s okay that was my next question i said i don't know if i missed something or if we know and the warrens that patrick wilson motherfucker i'll tell you what I i won't stand for it you don't like him no wait patrick wilson he was in phantom of the opera remember cody when you watched that? Yep. Was he the Phantom? <laughs> no, oh. Gerard Butler was the Phantom. Oh, <laughs> my God. He, wait, she said you would love that movie. Well, I like Fiona or Emmy Ross. Yes, yes, I was going to sure. say. I've heard you talk about her a million times. Yeah. But uh, uh, Patrick Wilson <laughs> is in Aquaman. Wouldn't recommend watching With that. Momoa? Yes, he Well, is. he's a hunk. Well, mm-hmm. Momoa is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick, mm-hmm. CGI'd Patrick Wilson, not so much. Oh, sure. Anyway. Our story begins when Gerald Jerry Gooden, age 41, married Laura Gooden, age 36, sometime in February of 1960. After their marriage, the happy couple decided to purchase the small ranch house on Lindley Street in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Anybody familiar with Bridgeport? You are. That sounds so familiar. The Bridgewater Triangle area, isn't that what that is? I I don't know. Maybe this is right in there. Wouldn't that be crazy? It was a small, compact, three-bedroom home that spanned 738 square feet. That is Jeez, tiny. That's tiny. Three bedrooms? Three bedroom. <laughs> Very, I'm assuming it's a ranch, or it is a ranch style, single story. A rambler? Yeah. I mean, aren't most apartments like 900 yes. to 1,000? All right. Well, anyway, it's the perfect size for their little family. Jerry Gooden, as a young man, had always been considered... Uh, as independent and practical of a person, Jerry's favorite things to do as a child included building and repairing items. Okay, so hmm. this is, I guess, forties ac- childhood activities. Sure. Uh, Jerry said this: "I did everything myself since I was a little knee-high grasshopper." 
That is a very outdated term, by the way, I would say, huh? Knee-high to a grasshopper? Yeah. Do no. you ever use that? Yeah, all the time. Okay. I've never. I play Final Fantasy 1 as a knee-high grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> no. As a young man, Jerry was attempting to build a radio receiver that ended up giving him a little shock that dropped him to the floor. <laughs> little uh, Jerry Brudos action there. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah. Now... Jerry grew up as a Catholic, which meant he would be granted that supposed high honor of becoming an altar boy. Mm. Oh, no. He loved his religion so much so, he actually wanted to become a priest when he grew up. But that pesky Great Depression seemed to uh, put a stop to that mm. idea. What, were the seminaries not taking I, you? I guess he could. I don't. Did it cost money to do? I assume it cost money to do it. I suppose it is a cult. I don't know. (laughs) A very rich one. Mm. Uh, After this, Jerry graduated from Basic High School, and he enlisted. Basic as (laughs) bitch. I'm looking for them basic bitches from Basic High School. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, he enrolled in. The Air Force. Oh. Yeah. Hey, we have a veteran at the table. And we do. Yeah, Ashley. Ash, thank you for your <laughs> thank service. Thank you for your service. <laughs> it's Bianca. Ashley. Yeah, it's me. I was in the, actually in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. What, That's what? a weird step, though, from priesthood to Air Force. I he, mean, he was a chaplain in the Air Force. I we don't we don't know what he did, mm. which is weird because I was looking up the dates. He would have enlisted around when World War II was going on, mm-hmm. hmm. but it says his military service wasn't eventful at all. Oh, good. So I don't know if he didn't see action or what he did. I, we don't really know what he did. Um, but, of course, he would always be rocking that sweet G.I. haircut for the rest of his Ooh, life. Hot. Fuck yeah. Hot. Yeah, man. <laughs> what a bootlicker. <laughs> <laughs> After his military service, he would uh, return to the working world and become employed with Harvey Hubble Incorporated, where he would work for the next 23 years. Uh, he was also a Boy Scout leader in his spare time. Hopefully mm. not the molesting kind. Well, geez, he's really going <laughs> down a lot of paths. Yes. Yeah. He has I mean, some questionable paths that he's going down, for sure. Because what, these are what, predator working, territory. What, working at uh, Harvey Hubble? Yep. Yep. That's, that's the, the one. one. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> All those Hubble boys are known for fucking well, boys. A lot of people, I don't know if they know this, but Boy Scouts very religious, so maybe he, he fits right in there. But yeah. he, honestly, joking aside, he does seem like a very nice, good dude. old school man. Sure. That's the way I could describe him. Now, with his wife Laura, we don't know nearly as much about her life outside of Laura was part Cherokee Native American and was said to be very dedicated to her family. One important thing about Laura was when she grew up, she was never around any other children her age, so because of this, she seemed to lack some of the (laughs) normal social skills. Uh, Also because of her isolation growing up, Laura was known to be loud High, strong, and very, had a very difficult time making friends. Is she me? <laughs> I don't know. Is is Laura your spirit animal right um, now? So I'm an only child. Oh. I'm high, strong. I have. No. <laughs> fuck you. I have difficulty making friends. No, you don't. No. Yes, I do. You got, you got friends oh, you here. just want to have that. Were you homeschooled? No, thank God. Okay, that's good. Here, but I did go to Christian private school. Oh. Here's the weird thing. Like, I I guess I got, growing up on a farm, I was kind of isolated or mm. whatever. But you had Shana. Yeah, well, when you're like that, 
we were friendly now, but we weren't necessarily friendly back then. Yeah. Well, Cody I, was a bit of a prick. Yeah. Uh, I stayed in my room and played video games, which well, is weird because I'm not loud, I don't think. Maybe no, I no am. you're not at all. Uh, and I'm just like very quiet to myself. So I don't know. It's interesting. Hmm. Anyway, uh, the entire reason Laura's personality traits are somewhat important is because she seems to believe it is how every child should be raised and will in turn be one of the supposed reasons for the conjuring of the poltergeist activity. Mm-hmm. Her from stress how she and her... treats the daughter. Okay. Oh dear. Although Jerry and Laura sound uh, kind of like opposites, they were actually perfect for each other and they were most certainly in love and always just enjoyed each other's company and just wanted to have their own little Family. I guess that's kind of a 60s thing to do, right? Well, nuclear family. Yeah, that's what you go for. Yep. About, now about a year or so after they were married, Laura would give birth to Gerald J. Gooden Jr. on Halloween of 1961. Let's move away from naming you after your father. Juniors. Yes. They're no good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he lives as a crime in sports, so he knows. But uh, It's never a positive outcome. (laughs) Jerry, we'll just say this now. Jerry Jr., he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Okay, good. Now, not long after Jerry Jr. was born, Jerry and Laura thought they had a healthy, happy baby, but one of their neighbors commented that she noticed his head was always hanging down. Mm. Naturally worried, they took him to the doctor, and the doctor initially couldn't find anything wrong with little Jerry Jr. But by the time Jerry Jr. reached the age of six months old, it became very apparent there was something that just wasn't quite right. So they again took him back to the doctor, and this time they diagnosed him with having cerebral palsy. Mm. As a baby? Is yes, that how that works? I, I guess so. I I'm, I should have looked into Ugh. the disease more, but it's obviously they were absolutely heartbroken by the diagnosis. But Jerry and Laura were determined to ensure that he could live the best life they could possibly give him. Jerry said, He was always a well-dressed baby. We bought clothes in advance of his needing them at one point. Two station wagons full. <laughs> That's a lot of clothes. That's a lot of clothes. We did without for him. Anything we could do to please the child, we did. We spoiled him, and yet he wasn't a spoiled child. As long as we were able to, we were going to take care of him, and we would gladly do without. Mm. See? Great parents right here. So every single week, the Goodens would have to take him to the Cerebral Palsy Center uh, for weekly occupational therapy. Apparently, the family was denied financial assistance for Jerry Jr.'s medical uh, expenses simply because they owned their own home. Oh, you oh, fancy pants. What kind of fucking rules is that? It's like 500 square feet anyway. I, I know. Like, I I don't know. Was the economy that bad at that point? If like you can, Great Depression. You can, well, no, 1961 oh. or two at mm. this point. So, I don't know. It's very weird. Hmm. Uh, Jerry Jr. needed special braces and a special chair. He couldn't feed himself or walk, talk. Or do any of the normal activities children around his age should be able to do. Awful. It was a heavy uh, weight to bear, but Jerry and Laura did everything they could. Including going without. Right. Uh, They took Jerry Jr. with them everywhere and never hired a babysitter. Apparently, they even let little Jerry Jr. pick out their brand new car, Jerry said. (laughs) In 1967, we bought a station wagon. We asked him... 
Do you like this car? He clearly liked the red Comet station wagon, so we got it. He's got great taste. Mm. He's got excellent taste. Huh. What do you guys think? I don't know what that is. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> gotta go it's to just, the car it's show. Like, it's like a muscle car. But a station wagon. Yeah. Okay. It's beautiful. Oh, so, cool, cool guy station wagon. You know damn well Jordan's <laughs> looking for one of these right oh. now. Oh, yeah. He wants oh. some baby seats in the back. Mm-hmm. He's ready to rock and roll. I'm not a normal dad. I'm a cool dad. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm not like other dads. I'm a cool dad. <laughs> oh. So after a while, Laura's 75-year-old mother had to come live with the family when Laura's brother could no longer take care of her. So, so for the next four years, both Jerry and Laura would have to take care of Jerry Jr. and Laura's mother. Oftentimes, it was mostly Laura because Jerry was working a lot. Mm. Finally, Laura's mother got to the point where she could no longer assist her and would need to be put into a rest home. They would visit her regularly until she would pass away around two years later. She would have been around 81 years old at the point, so pretty hey. good run. Yep, that's for not this, bad. For this time period... You're killing it. Mm. In 1967, after Laura, Jerry, and Jerry Jr. had taken a fun trip to St. Anne's Shrine in Sturbridge, Massachusetts. I'm assuming this is some sort of religious thing. I don't know. (laughs) St. Anne's Shrine. I don't know. Sure. It's on my to-do list. But anyway. (laughs) All right. Everybody brace yourself. But upon their return home, Jerry Jr. had came down with a cold his condition quickly worsened and was rushed to the hospital. The doctors tested him for a flurry of different things, but couldn't seem to figure out what exactly was wrong with Jerry Jr. Apparently, his temperature had rose to 109 degrees at one point. Whoa. What? I don't even what? know how. Whoa. That's what it said in there. I don't know. I feel like that's pretty high. Isn't that when yeah. your brain bursts or something? Maybe it was like temporarily and they got him Sheesh. back down. I don't know. It's crazy. Now, obviously, all their friends and family were sending flowers to sp- uh, to support the Goodens. One card accidentally had the name General put on it instead of Gerald, and the nickname would stick with little Jerry Jr. Awesome. Aww. But sadly, on Wednesday, September 27, 1967, Gerald Gooden Jr. would pass away. Oh, well, he didn't get to have that nickname mm-hmm. very long. Uh, not very long. I don't know how long he was in the hospital, sounding like for a little bit, but uh, they don't really know why he died. He just got sick and passed Brutal. away, I assume, from uh, cerebral palsy. Like weakened you know. his immune system. immune system. Yeah, very, very, very sad. Uh, he would be he would be buried at St. Michael's Cemetery right next to his grandmother and grandfather. Mm. Now, weirdly enough... On the day of their son's funeral, Father Grimes, who was providing the service, asked Jerry if he had considered adoption with their next child. But obviously, it was that's a little soon. Yeah, it was way too soon. I they all said Father Grimes immediately asked him. I don't know if they wanted it imprinted in his head or what. I it's fucking. I got an overstock of fucking kids here. I'll give you, a kid, two, give you a two-for-one special, dude. <laughs> oh, <Come on>. God. <laughs> uh, to add a little more tragedy on top of what they had already endured, the following day after her son's funeral, Laura had to have a hysterectomy for a tumor oh, they had discovered no. uh, months prior. So I as, see where the bad luck's coming in. I'm, oh, I'm saying they have endured. Her grandmother passed away. Their son passed away. Uh, it's just so sad for Now their people. family line is, yeah. they can't have another one. No, 
Well, I, they, well, no, they probably could. Well, Hysterectomy no. means yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. no. Nope. They yep. can adopt. Okay. Which is why Father Grimes was like, hey, mm. I know you're burying your son. Mm. You I didn't even think about one? that. Maybe he knew that she had to have the surgery. They, it mm. was basically, there's a, in the book, there's a big contention that she could have delayed it, but they didn't know what the tumor was. So like, scoop let's it just, out. Yeah. yeah. Let's not risk anything Jesus. worse. So, well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't use that terminology. But. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, during the recovery from her surgery, they placed her right next to the room where newborn babies were. While this could have made things worse for Laura, it <laughs> apparently helped her in the grieving process. Wow. So they took a 50-50 shot, and she felt better. Shit. As you can imagine, Laura and Jerry would grieve for a very long time after about the death of Jerry Jr. Nearly every single day, Jerry would head out to Jerry Jr.'s headstone and pray, mm. and Laura created a little shrine within the house to honor Jerry Jr., until one day, about six months later, Jerry decided they needed to start moving forward with their lives, which meant heading to visit Father Grimes and inquiring about adoption of a young child. Well, he buried that mm -hmm. shit deep in there, didn't mm -hmm. he? You're going to see yeah. um, the scars of the death of their child never kind of leaves them with the child they're about to get. Of course. Uh, as Laura would say, A home without a child is not a home. Is that true, mm. ladies and gentlemen? No. I don't think so. Not for me. <laughs> so. Not for me, but. Put you know. yourself in a 1960s mind. How do you feel then? Not for me, but, you know. Yeah. You got to have a nuclear family. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, man. Now, obviously, the adoption process is a long one, but 25 of their family members, neighbors, hell, even their goddamn insurance agent <laughs> wrote letters of recommendation wow. for Jerry and Laura, all saying. Uh, they were good people who were loving, committed, and would be dedicated to whichever child would come into their lives. Uh, it sounds like they really didn't need to go that far, considering that that priest was uh, yeah. like, please okay. take a kid, please yeah. take a kid. Yeah. Are you guys going to sit here and tell me you don't ask your insurance agent for a reference <laughs> on your job? I always do it. I would highly recommend it. You always get the job. <laughs> Hey, I'm not going to mock them too much. I got a uh, two refund checks really? for my insurance. That's wow. not, nothing to do with an insurance agent, though. Everybody should. I don't have an insurance I, agent, and I got a refund. Well, I'm just saying, maybe, I don't know. Okay, yes, they're not involved, but the goddamn company <laughs> that they work for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Finally, on May of 1968, they received a call from the adoption agency uh, that they had a child ready for adoption. She was a preschool age girl from Ontario, Canada, Jerry said. The moment I got the news at 10 a.m., I grabbed my coat and hat, and I left the shop and told people, I'm going to Canada. <laughs> Goodbye, good luck, oh, God wow. bless. <laughs> I only had 30 or 40 bucks in my pocket, and as I ran by, people asked me if I needed money. People gave me, it must have been at least $100. Wow. That's killing it in 1960, mm. dude. Running away, getting money. <laughs> So once Jerry got home, he and Laura packed up for the trip, preparing to head to Canada. They quickly found out that their car was running a little rough, but <laughs> that still wasn't going to stop them, Jerry said. I drove up on two cylinders <laughs> out of six. They said I would never make it. It took me 18 hours. <laughs> I, okay, Jerry, I'm not going to say you're lying, but I don't know if a car can operate with two cylinders no. out of six. God, no. <laughs> I don't think so. 
When they finally reached Ontario, they would meet their soon-to-be daughter, four-year-old Marcia Lydia Gooden, whom was a young Native American girl belonging to the Seneca tribe. Mm. Marcia was the youngest of nine children and was neglected and mistreated, which included having her family tie her to a chair for long periods of time. Uh, Great. A little timeout action. Uh, Not the good good kind of timeout. Basically, Marcia's old family had told the adoption agency they simply didn't want her around anymore. Oh, my God. So being adopted by the Goodens was a perfect situation. Very Uh, true. Okay. Oh, dear. We're out of the tra- well, almost out of the tragedy, okay? Then we're going to get to the spooky stuff. All here. right. I have a bad feeling about this little girl. Uh, well, Ooh. can you see the perfect climate brewing for sure for the poltergeist to start? Yes. That's what I'm saying. This is like the perfect fuel for all of this mm-hmm. to start. Cool. So. The tragedy so good. and yeah. the little girl. Right. Yep. So immediately when they arrived, Marcia ran into their arms, and it was a great start for the new family. Mm-hmm. They took her off for dinner on the way home. Jerry promised to construct her her own bedroom within the house, which he ended up keeping. Uh, Now, as no surprise, with the death of their first child and under the circumstances, Laura and Jerry, to a lesser extent, treated Marcia almost the exact same way they treated Jerry Jr. Oh, that's great. Is it, though? I don't know. Yes. I'm Meaning sure. they oh, were... Oh, to a lesser extent. I thought it was to the same extent. No, I uh, think let... even the same extent is well, not yeah. good. Yeah, because yeah, well, that's her own tra- person. Well, they would be yeah. treating her as their own. I it mean, is, but the problem overbearing. is... Overbearing. Right. Oh. Yes. They were completely overprotective. And I wouldn't be surprised if they called her Jerry on accident a few times. <laughs> or General. Or General. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like we said, they were very overprotective, and they wouldn't allow Marcia to do anything with them. Oh, no, that's not great. Laura would walk or drive her to school every day. Laura would have to carry her books. Marcia wasn't allowed to walk down the street alone. Even if it was to play with her friends, her mother had an overwhelming fear that Marcia would be killed in one way, shape, or form. That's a rough childhood. Yeah, yeah. You're like anti-secreting your daughter. You know, you're putting it mm. out there in the world that she's gonna die. She's weak. She's she that, needs protection. That is honestly like they. It's more. We talk about it more in part two, but she's basically like, dude, she could die at any point. I cannot take let her out of my sight. Ugh. That's how I was raised. Yeah, Bianca was telling me on the I side was, over here. This is how she's raised. I was like mouthing at Ashley, like that's how I was raised. I couldn't walk to school. I couldn't spend the night at people's okay. houses. I couldn't do wow. anything. Okay, to be fair, though, you are from so, L.A. This is probably small town Connecticut. I mean, I'm not from L.A. But <laughs> yeah, I'm from, like, L.A. County. But well, is Okay, would it be considered dangerous for a kid to walk down the street by themselves? No. Really? In Rancho okay. Cucamongo? <laughs> <laughs> I'm from West Covina, but actually oh. I, did, I did live in Rancho Cucamonga. Okay. <laughs> How did you know that? Uh, oh, What's because f- I didn't think it was a real place until oh, yes, yeah. until I met you. Actually. <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, it's really fun to say. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> it's really fun to, to say. Be, to be fair. <laughs> to be fair. That's why I thought it was fake. Because <laughs> it's so fun. Mm. Either way, because of all of this, Marcia began to learn to play by herself. She enjoyed puzzles, TV, art projects, and was often known to set up games of Monopoly 
with multiple players, but obviously she would just play by herself. Uh-huh. Oh, dear. Not the best game to play by yourself. No, that's boring as shit, <laughs> well, man. Well, listen up, Cody. She's not playing by herself. Oh. Uh-oh. Playing with the general. It's funny because you're on to something here. In Laura's mind, Marcia didn't really need friends because she didn't have them when she grew up, uh, but she would welcome Marcia to have friends as long as they came over to their house, and if Laura accompanied... Uh, Marcia to whatever activity the kids were doing great, at the time. Great, so. I want to play pretend with my mom hanging <laughs> oh over my, my shoulder. Oh, it's awesome. funny. <laughs> it's oh my god, Bianca. Yeah, that's what. That's what my life. You're welcome for knowing now why I like white gummy bears, and you have to eat all of the ones before the white ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. I got screamed after eating white ones. Stay the fuck away from them white gummy bears. Those aren't for you, Coats. (laughs) But it's funny because you say that, and my mom is literally like, get the fuck out of the house right now. If you don't get lost in that cornfield, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Granted, you were going to play with with aliens, and her mom was afraid of something. (laughs) Very nefarious. Hey, bring this up on Between the Bumbles. We have a question about my mom's Skinwalker Ranch for you. All right. All right. Now, as with Jerry, he seemed to be a lot more relaxed with the control, which uh, when Jerry was home, Marcia always followed him around. So it was a pretty stark uh, contrast in parenting. Now, initially, when Marcia was in school, she attended a private school called St. Patrick's School. (laughs) Catholic school, obviously. (laughs) But it appears that the tuition became too expensive, so, so she transferred to Reed Public School, which turned bad for Marcia. Mm. At the public school, Marcia was picked on daily by both the boys and the girls. Because of her Seneca heritage, kids would mock and taunt her, telling her she didn't belong here. Some kids even referred to to her as ape. Uh, Whoa! Yeah, it's these kids are fucking assholes, man. I hate those kids. Sheesh. Uh, The bowling at school reached a boiling point in early 1974, when a boy from her class punched her hard in the back (gasps) and kicked her in the pelvic and groin area, causing a pretty serious injury. Uh, A doctor would have to place her in a soft back brace to protect her injury and allow her to move around without causing further harm. Oh, my God. If this was today, that would be a hate crime. Yeah. Because that is a hate crime. It, uh... I mean, Jerry, I didn't include it here, but Jerry was like, I'm going to go kill that little shit. Sure. Yeah, for sure. But then he's like, okay, that that kid was from a really rough, uh, whatever. Neighborhood? Well, no, rough. Upbringing? Upbringing, yes, yes. So he's like, okay, we got to understand he probably doesn't know what he's doing or that's whatever. That's very understanding. So, it is wow, very understanding. Much I think I'd probably kill someone. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. That is fucked up, though. Like, they don't even know why they attacked him. He just, or he attacked her. The, she just attacked her. I don't know. Probably well, racism. Yeah, probably. probably. Anyway, now after this, both Laura and Jerry said, fuck it, you're no longer going to that school. So they would hire 21-year-old Barbara Carter hey. to be Marcia's tu- uh, tutor and will also become a witness for the events to come shortly. Oh. Now, the main reason for all the backstory to talk about a poltergeist case is some believe that if you were to combine all of that tragedy, as we mentioned, and all the tragedy Marcia had already faced, and the potential depression and loneliness Marcia is feeling, and the tension that's slowly building between Marcia and Laura, because she's too... Uh, 
overbearing on mm. her. It's the perfect breeding ground. Hello, trickster. Guys. Yeah, right. Come on in, buddy. Or, or if we're being fair, uh, a elaborate hoax created by a young girl to get attention. Yep, that's so, uh, sometimes how it works. But yeah, let's find. We'll find out. I'll, we'll find I'll judge this evidence. Let's <laughs> suspend disbelief yeah, at the okay, moment. Come on. Okay. All right, we'll leave it to you guys then. <laughs> let, me, let me pull out my magnifying glass here. I th- well, now, like right now, I don't know, we're uh, maybe a third in here. This is where the paranormal shit starts, so buckle well, up. All that was needed. Yes, it you, was. It was For all sure. needed. Very sad. I thought it was very sad. Brutal. Yeah. Now, even though we have followed the family's lives all the way up until 1974, which will be the beginning of the extreme poltergeist activity. Mm. It actually slowly began back in 1968 when Marcia would be roughly seven years old. This was when both Laura and Jerry started to notice that items were beginning to be moved out of their place. While at first they just thought it was just simply them (laughs) misremembering where they had placed the items, Eventually, it began to happen so frequently, they really began to question it. Mm. Now, about a year later, in 1969, Marcia made one of her only friends, which was, of course, the daughter of one of the Gooden's friends named Rosemary Hoffman. Mm, I don't trust her. <laughs> I don't trust anybody named Rosemary. Rosemary. I don't trust anybody <laughs> named after us, some sort of herb. Yeah. Rosemary. Oh, maybe it's Rosemary. Yeah, it's a pretentious way of saying Rosemary. Maybe, but it is, it's, it's a classier way. Yeah, I suppose. Classy. It's a lot. Name. Hoffman is a very classy name. Hoffman's good. That's a power Dustin. name. Dustin. Dustin. Oh. Love it. Now, now, at first, both Rose, Rosemary and Marcia were fairly awkward towards each other. Rosemary recounts one time when they were both sitting on the couch on opposite ends of each other. Rosemary remembers the couch beginning to shiver and slowly feel like it was rising. <laughs> now, the more fearful Rosemary became, the more the couch seemed to react. Pretty soon, it was gently floating in the air, and just as soon as the head risen up, it gently returned to the ground. When Rosemary looked over at Marcia, she was just sitting there with her hands folded folded in her lap, giving a nervous little smile. So Rosemary ran off into the kitchen to tell her parents what had happened. But of course, of course, they just laughed it off and said, yeah. you stupid little kids. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. Get out of here, you little shit. I'm trying That's to drink my 70s I, bourbon. I'm just reacting how my mom would when during my prayer. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Now, after this event, the girls became better and better friends. They would run around the yard playing with each other. Some of their favorite activities, which I think are the Creepy Rural Girls' favorite activities, included <laughs> cartwheels, mm-hmm. somersaults, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. and a good old game of chase. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. My fucking favorite thing to do is get chased. We had to corral them in from the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Come on, ladies. We gotta... Stop playing chase, you idiots. We got to blow this record. We were chasing them, and they're like cartwheeling and somersaulting them. We're like, fucking A. We're never going to catch Y'all them. Y'all couldn't now. catch up to us because I, I somersaulted into a tree oh, yeah. branch. Y'all yeah. couldn't even you were, reach me. You were basically like beasts from X-Men. Yes. Flying up there. Yes. Awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, Marcia had an extremely large collection of teddy bears in her room. Now, one day, Marcia confided in Rosemary that she believed her teddy bears were actually her only friends, hmm. so she would talk to them. kind of bitchy. 
She's a sad little girl. Come on. But Rosemary's her friend. It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> to Marcia, she's just a, an, an occasional Aww. acquaintance. Aww. Now, in fact, she had gotten quite good at making it appear as if the teddy bears were talking back to her, oh. which mm. will become a factor later on. And ironically, is also important in the Enfield haunting. If you remember her, the supposed, like, shooting her voice across the room and making yeah. other things talk. Yeah. So, interesting She was a talented here. ventrilo. Uh, her, I think, actually, her doing that will be more in part two, but okay. uh, I'll bring it up then. Anyway, now the last event Rosemary would speak of is several times when she would come visit Marcia, she would find her sitting on the floor of her room with her legs crossed, rocking back and forth, with her eyes closed, talking in a strange language. Yeah. When just... Rosemary asked her... Wait, Marcia was talking in a strange language? Yes, yes, yes. yes. In a trans state. You'll know what language in a second here, oh. I think. When Rosemary asked her what she was doing, she said this is how she would commi- uh, communicate with her grandfather, who was the chief of their tribe, and was upset that Marcia had been adopted by the Goodins. I was going to say That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah, Maybe but, it was her native language. Yeah, but I was like, that's going to be racist if I say it and I'm wrong, but that's exactly well, what it was. Well, it's, it's interesting because, uh, like, Boyce, the paranormal investigator, would later say he thinks that because... Laura is part Cherokee and she's part Seneca. Maybe it's like some spiritual power or whatever. No, no, no. Not War of the Tribe, but it's like, you know, Native Americans are very spiritual. So maybe it's something to do with that. It's like the only one I believe is the Native American stuff. Now, the activity outside of what was mentioned seemed to be fairly minor up to this point. At least until November of 1971 when they started to hear a weird rhythmic pounding oh, that was transpiring throughout the night. Oh, it's just a hippie drum circle uh, upstairs. <laughs> That's ghost sex right there. I don't know why, but the knocking scares me more than anything. Yeah, I, I hate like knock. the knocking. Uh-huh. It's so creepy. Now, at first, they didn't really think much of it. Maybe it was just the house settling or just the normal creaks all houses have. But it didn't stop, and it kept escalating. Now, around the same time, they were doing construction at the St. Vincent's Hospital, which was a few blocks away, but again, it was very unlikely they would be doing construction in the in middle, middle of the, of the night. fucking night. Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Jerry also thought, uh, because the knocking was mostly happening at night, perhaps it was just their neighbors pulling a prank on their house. Jerry said this about his neighbors. They had kids and motorcycles. <laughs> he sounds like that's okay. such an old man thing to say. <laughs> that's me, though. Kids fuck. and their fucking motorcycles. Fuck motorcycles and fuck kids. <laughs> but again... Because of the constant noise that began to happen more frequently and now began occurring during both the day and the night, that probably was not likely. Jerry said this about the noise later. It sounded like the house was being stoned. The sound had a definite pattern and occurred at all hours of the day and night. The noises would begin as a light tapping and then work up into an awful banging. I hate the banging, man. I hate it. Urgent banging, yeah, that's yeah, not good. That's not... Like if they're just happening to be annoying, that's fine. <laughs> We're like, like boom, 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 boom. <sighs> Finally, in November of 1972, they decided to contact the police and ask for help. Hmm, they're not going to fucking help. They <laughs> don't know the poli- nothing. Yeah. This is 60s police, okay? They're not pff- Scooby Doo. Well, they're, <laughs> at least they're good witnesses, I guess, uh, for this. Incredible, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. It's incredible. <laughs> 
So friend of so friend of Jerry's named Officer John Hallsworth Hallsworth suggested that he try to use a tape recorder to capture the noise. Mm. Perhaps they would have a better idea of what exactly it was. After this, the fire department checked the foundation. Uh, foundation. <laughs> the ba- <laughs> The basement and the surrounding neighborhood for a source of the noise, but they couldn't locate one. The gas lines and the plumbing were checked, but again, nothing there. Geological factors were checked, but again, nothing was found. (laughs) The blasting from a nearby highway construction was also ruled out. Not a single reason for the origin of the sound could be found. Jerry himself had a little conspiracy theory. They were building a condominium next uh, to his home, and because Jerry had strongly opposed the construction, he thought that perhaps they were making noises in the middle of the night to try to get them to leave their home. Mm. Oh, That's more logical. A very (laughs) subtle burning cross. Mm. I get it. One of the biggest problems with his theory was that a lot of times the knocking noise were coming from within the walls of the home itself. Yeah. Small Jer- problem with his theory, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, he's probably like, I don't know what the fuck's going on in here. Shit's moving. There's knocking. What is going on? It's condos. <laughs> Jerry said, I checked every piece of metal in this house. I thought an animal was stuck, so I took apart the piping and ductwork in the basement, but I found nothing. That gas company said it maybe trapped air or something or other, so we ended up switching to an electric oil-fired furnace. It has nothing to do with the starting. It has nothing to do with the starting of the basement freezer. We've had that thing for fourteen years. In the sixties, stuff actually lasted fourteen years. Yeah, okay, like a chest freezer. Right. Or, I'm pretty sure my parents still have one that's like from the sixties, still running mm. fine, keeps all their beef cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, occasionally, the noise would stop for a week or two here and there, but would always start up again. And in the summer of 1974. The activity was about to escalate further. Both Lori and Jerry believed they had seen a disembodied hand in their window. Mm. So naturally, they went to investigate, but couldn't find anything. Shortly after that, Laura was within the house when she heard three distinct knocks at the front door. But when she opened it, nobody was there. That stupid floating hand (laughs) knocking around the place. (laughs) But... There was a set of wet footprints on the stoop, and it was extra weird because it was such a dry day and there was no moisture in the air. Who did it? Oh, I've heard that before. Yeah, the wet footprints? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. What a dick. You ever played Amnesia, Cody? I, it sounds like I should. There's a there's some wet footprint parts in that <laughs> game that'll get right to you. It'll get right to you. I think I have that in real life, so. Oh. <laughs> Amnesia. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, our whole family is a bunch of forgetters, so we're gonna forget a lot. Cody, is Cody your I original know, name, I, or is this your like this third you... amnesia wake up? My mom forgot my name when I was like four, so she just renamed me. <laughs> no, she had amnesia then. You were just unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to say it runs with the family. Uh, yeah, so I guess. <laughs> now, doors began to open on their own, and chairs were often found out of place from where they had left them. On Thursday, November 21st, 1974, the entire Gooden family, their friends, Jamie and Janet Hallsworth, and their 14-year-old daughter were all enjoying a lovely dinner. When all of a sudden, 
they heard what sounded like glass shattering. Hmm. Naturally curious, they went to locate the source of the sound, and when they headed into the master bedroom, it became quickly apparent what it was. The lower pane of the window had shattered from the inside, and the outside pane remained completely untouched, leaving them baffled to as what could have caused this. Okay, I, so I'm assuming this is a double-hung window? Mm, I think it's like... Double the two, yeah, double pane or so, double hung. It's called both. Is it, okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I guess that could that happen. That's uh, I feel like that happened in the Amityville story as well, where just one pane of the glass shattered and hmm. not the other one. Hmm. And I don't know. Very, very weird. weird. From the inside as well. From the inside, so it was punctured this way. Yeah. Strange. The following day on Friday, November 22nd, 1974, Jerry had just returned home from a long week at work and was excited to join his family for dinner. Mm. The family was actually excited about the nice little Saturday they had planned. They were going to take a road trip up to Dover Plains to visit Jerry's cousin, attend mass at a little church they had in Dover Plains, do some grocery shopping, and obviously then hang out with Jerry's cousin. All right. Wild and Gotta crazy. get to that cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get to that cousin. <laughs> After dinner, the family retreated into the living room like they did most nights. Laura was seated in her favorite recliner. Jerry sat in his his favorite brown recliner. Oh. Marcia, look Mar- at this. Look at these fucking assholes. These what? goddamn boomers. They got enough money for two goddamn recliners. They have three. They have three, three recliners. Three recliners. <laughs> Marcia was laying on the floor putting together her puzzle, and they were all enjoying some TV. All of a sudden, they heard a noise emanating from the master bedroom they couldn't quite make out. Mm. So Jerry got up to investigate, and he soon discovered that the window shade had rolled up and the curtain had fallen to the floor. Mm. While the window was closed and no breeze could have done it, it wasn't the weirdest thing they had experienced, so Jerry and Laura just put the curtains back up Rolled the shade back down. Sure. I mean, hey, something could happen. It could lose its grip and snap up. Mm -hmm. Sure. Why not? As the couple made their way out of the bedroom, the heavy curtain rod with the curtain still attached came crashing to the floor, and the window shade again rolled back up. Deciding to just leave things where they had fallen, Jerry and Laura returned to the living room to pretend like it didn't happen. Hey, that's my strategy for all things. (laughs) Things were pretty quiet for about 30 minutes until all of a sudden a commotion came from the kitchen this time. Fuck. The curtain and curtain rod from the kitchen door window were laying on the ground this time, Jerry said. Whatever it is, it clearly doesn't like curtains. Ah, (laughs) He's got a sense of humor. Yeah, he does. After this again, Jerry, Laura, Laura, and Marcia returned to the living room attempting to ignore what was going on and just try to enjoy a peaceful night. Watch some Ed Sullivan or something, you know? Uh, we're going to find out. They like to watch Emergency. Oh, Emergency. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've never seen it. With but... an exclamation mark, I think. Is that what it... I'm assuming mm. old school ER, probably, mm. yeah. How do you know that? Uh, How do you know that? Well, <laughs> TV Land? You oh, ever heard no. of it? No. No. You've never it, heard of TV Land? I have. You oh. can now watch such classics as Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Such classics. Uh, I don't know the other On shows. TV Land? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I suppose classics move. Mm, I'm sure Saved by the Bell's on there time and all that. Uh, forward yeah. as well. Uh, we uh. keep getting older in TV land. They stay the same age. <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, 
The knocking started up again, slowly at first, but building with more intensity. The knocks quickly turned into violent pounding. Uh. An all an all too familiar sound the Goodens had endured for years. But after a few minutes of intense, horrific, violent pounding, it all just stopped, and the house went eerily quiet. With the family's road trip scheduled for tomorrow, they all decided to retire for the uh, Oh, well, fuck the it. Night. That was weird. I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, how many years of weird activity has it been up to this point? Almost six years. Mm-hmm. But now it's escalating to, like, really fucking weird. Yeah, like destruction of the interior of their house and <laughs> yeah. violent pounding. And thankfully, the only noise they heard for the rest of the night were the sounds of a light rainfall. Oh, relaxing. The following morning, the house was still quiet, and the Goodens headed for Dover Plains. Before they did anything, obviously, too fun... They decided to go to mass first. Oh, of course, of course. God comes first. That's God right. Damn it. Yeah. They then met up with Jerry's cousin, did a little grocery shopping, and would arrive back home around 4.30 p.m. Now, Marcia was sleeping in the car, so Laura first headed into the home while Jerry began to carry the groceries inside. Then Jerry noticed that Marcia's TV, which was normally high on a shelf, was laying face down on her bed with the antenna and power cord still attached. Mm. While Jerry was really wondering how the fuck that happened, he just placed it back up on the shelf and reattached all the cords. So Jerry headed into the kitchen where Laura was, when all of a sudden, the dishes that were in the kitchen sink were rising up and hovering Uh in the air. Until finally... They came crashing into the floor with enough force to smash them of into course. pieces. This is the, uh, the sword and the stone. Wow. Yeah. Oh, shit. Holy. Did this happen in the sh- Oh, uh, my God, short- Cody. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Let's talk more about the sword and the stone. <laughs> <laughs> After this, Jerry was bending down to pick up all the shattered pieces of dishes when all of a sudden five knives... Whoa. From the knife block, rose up and flew across the kitchen in Jerry's direction. But thankfully, he took notice and dodged them, and the knives didn't end up hurting anybody. After this, Jerry went over to examine the knife block to see if there could be any explanation at all. <laughs> I don't think there's anything that <laughs> no. makes knives fly out of the no. knife okay. block. <laughs> you guys, you're at home. Knives fly out. Are you going to examine? That's a ghost. The block? No, I'm leaving the house. <laughs> you're, you're getting on that there. That knife block can't tell me anything. <laughs> what? Yeah. What am I going to find out? Oh, you're not going to say that the condominium's being built next door. That's the reason behind oh, it. No. There's a little mouse sitting at the knife block, like, <laughs> waving yeah, at you. Uh, fucking Ratatouille's doing this. He's on their goddamn house here. Now, I think this is an old school thing, but this particular knife block was screwed into the wall. Okay, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I feel like my parents had that, where it would screw into the wall so like you couldn't actually jar the knives out of it or anything. Oh. But anyway, that's how this one was. Jerry looked it over, didn't notice anything weird. As he stopped doing that, all of a sudden the knife block came flying towards Jerry, hmm. and he reached out and grabbed it before it hit him. Hmm. He's pretty fucking... He's good. Swift. Acrobatic. He's, he's, like, he's like Indiana Jones, man. He, he's yeah. quick on his feet. Huh. Jerry and Laura Laura just sat there waiting for something to happen again, but the house seemed to go quiet. So Jerry finished cleaning up all the smashed dishes and began to continue to bring the groceries inside. While Laura was still in the kitchen and Jerry was outside, she began to hear another noise. She soon figured out what it was. The two kitchen table legs closest to her 
began to rise off of the ground and flip the table over completely. He flipped the table. Yeah, spilled the groceries fucking everywhere. Damn it. He's powerful. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to learn this this ghost does not like this table. I don't know if it has like, I don't know if it has like a 60s floral print print on it. He just doesn't like it, but... He does oh. not like this goddamn damn table. God dang God table. Goddamn table. I got the tied tongue today. Cody <laughs> <laughs> dumb tongue long and it's going, yeah. it's going around. Yeah. It's going around this week. <laughs> Before Laura could even comprehend what had just happened, the 300-pound refrigerator, according to Laura, rose six inches off of the ground, rotated slightly to the right, and then just gently sat back down to the ground, Basically, so there's no way you could possibly not notice that the refrigerator had moved. Oh, yeah. Almost yeah, like they, it was taunting him. Yeah, he's starting to get pissed. He's like, you yeah. fucking assholes keep gaslighting do you, me. Do you remember from when we covered the Amityville horror and we had the quotes uh, from Ed Warren and he was talking about, have you ever seen a 300-pound fridge moving? That's this. Oh, that's where he got yes. it from. This How about is this that? haunting <laughs> right here. That's so. the original, is your refrigerator running, Joe? <laughs> you need to go out and catch that bitch. <laughs> that bitch. After that stopped, the heavy wooden 23-inch TV they kept on the kitchen bar slowly tilted itself screen down, then fell off of the counter and came slamming down onto Laura's right foot, smashing two of her toes. Wow. It would actually break two of her toes. Jeez. Oh, my goodness. Laura let out a scream, and Jerry came running inside the house. He quickly lifted the TV off of her foot, placing it back on the kitchen counter. Laura had blood pouring out from her foot, so Ugh. Jerry filled a basin with warm water so Laura could soak her foot. This is a very old-school way of doing that. My grandma loves soaking her feet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying, uh, she, like, any problem, let's soak, soak my feet tonight. I've got a headache. Uh, soak okay. your feet. Uh, let's just soak them. I broke just my arm. Soak. I think you need a good foot soak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a little salt in there, you're good to go. <laughs> they then cleaned the wound and bandaged it, bandaged it all up. After this, Jerry went to retrieve Mar- uh, Marcia from the car and returned inside to begin cleaning up the mess in the kitchen. After a little bit, they would need to change Laura's blood-soaked bandages, and it seemed the house remained quiet and still after all the chaos that had just transpired. For the rest of the night, the family would sit in the living room watching TV, trying to enjoy a little peace and quiet. But after a while, Jerry had went into the kitchen to turn the light off. Right after he did that, he heard a loud thud. He turned the light back on, only to discover that the kitchen table had hmm. again flipped over but this time was resting against the chairs. Mm. He's getting a little more style. Mm. Like upside down. It, and was it was like, imagine four chairs right. flipped over and it was just kind of like leaning on a like that. Oh, that was a that cool guy way to do it. Definitely. Yeah. He's a badass. <laughs> he just returned the table over to its normal position, turned the light off, and tried to keep his family calm. He then returned to the living room where the Goodens enjoyed an episode of Emergency. Woo! Jerry had uh, later. Jerry had gotten up and decided to make a cup of coffee for he and Laura. The second he exited the kitchen with the coffee in his hand, another thud came from the kitchen. <laughs> again, the goddamn kitchen table had flipped over and landed on the chairs again. Hmm. Seemingly undeterred, Jerry returned the table to his position, and after a while of normalcy, the family headed to their bedrooms to get some much-needed sleep. Jerry was in the middle of shaving. When all of a sudden, Marcia let out 
a scream. Jerry ran into her bedroom with shaved cream all over his face still and noticed that Marcia's TV had fallen off of her shelf and landed directly onto her ankle. Wow. Oh, my gosh. This wow. Is so this, is a, this is a very, very violent poltergeist. He's a prick. So, or yeah. she, or it. We don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, as the Warrens will say, it's demonic. Uh, of course. They do. Those hacks. With the family wide awake again and needing another way to kind of calm down and relax, they went back in the uh, living room and watched the movie Battle of the Bulge. Mm. It's not an adult film, guys. I <laughs> promise you. There's a lot of very sexual-sounding things going on in this film. I'm just going to say it. I've been holding my tongue. No, no don't hold your no tongue. Longer. Uh, spit it out. That's why you're on the show. I feel like you might have seen this movie, Adam. Battle of the Bulge, no. no? But uh, it's when Patton, quote-unquote, rescued the paratroopers from okay. being encircled by the Nazis. I wonder if it's a good movie Nazis. or not. The paratroopers say they didn't need rescuing. But so Patton pulled the Trump on them. That's right. That's okay. right. Gold like, guts and glory himself. No, that's MacArthur, isn't it? I, can't I don't know. I don't. Nobody but you knows that. Yeah. <laughs> now, Nobody at, but you. Oh, in the world. <laughs> the stable. <laughs> at one point during the movie... Marcia got up to use the bathroom, and all of a sudden there's a bunch of loud crashing noises, followed by Marcia screaming again. Jerry ran into the bathroom to find Marcia cowering on the ground with her hands covering her head. Hmm. The entire bathroom was a complete mess. The steel rod that held the shower curtain had came off and almost hit Marcia directly in the head. Towels were off the rack, toiletries, shaving cream powder, and things of that nature were thrown all over the bathroom. The caps from the Listerine and other bottles had completely broken off, almost like they exploded from the inside and just burst off of there. There was no time for her to do this, right? Mm, they, I mean, maybe, I don't know. They just said she went to the bathroom, then she was screaming, and all this shit kind of happened. Huh. So it's kind of weird. I don't Have know. She could have set it up if she really wanted to. I guess, yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you noticed that this family does things completely out of order? Like... Like, the guy's shaving at night, mm. drinking coffee before bed. Like, Look, what's, what's going wait, on wait. here? I drink coffee before bed. I'm just going right. to say All right. It's a nighttime thing. So I'm I just like the spiciness of coffee. I'm like, <laughs> spiciness. <laughs> That's a weird way to describe it. Sometimes you don't want water. Sometimes you want coffee-infused water. Sure. So. My family drinks coffee right after dinner. All right. Yeah. Well, it's I'm good. the Thanks. asshole here. It's a good nighttime snack. I yeah. don't know. Anyway. But the poltergeist wasn't finished. More noises could be heard throughout the house. The curtains in the bedroom had fallen down again. The curtains in Marcia's room had fallen down. After uh, this, the house went completely quiet again. They cleaned up the mess as best as they could and returned to watching TV until 3 in the morning when everyone felt comfortable enough Jeez. to finally go to fucking bed. Can At you imagine? Hour. That's the worst time to go to sleep. Yeah. That's exactly well, what I was just thinking. Put your guy, Put yourself in their shoes like... You're being tormented, and you can't get calm enough till three in the morning to go to bed. It drives you horrible. crazy. Yeah, yeah. But Jerry would wake up uh, around eight thirty a.m. and head into the kitchen to see if anything had happened. Well, as no surprise, the kitchen table <laughs> and chairs were flipped over again. <laughs> On top of that, the refrigerator had been pulled out of its spot this time and was blocking the door that uh, led outside from the kitchen. Fire hazard. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good grief. That's very bad. Mm -hmm. Now, Jerry then decided to return to his bedroom to tell Laura, but before he even had a chance to tell her, the silver crucifix and the... <sighs> 
bless our home picture of Jesus that were nailed to the wall, just pulled themselves completely <laughs> off. Oh, that could be why they said demonic. Oh, yeah. that's just that's, for show. Yeah, yeah, that's just a big, that's like, they all love doing that. They all do. Well, okay, when we were watching that poltergeist thing earlier, Bianca, mm-hmm. you said the little footprints they had looked like the Hellier goblins. Mm-hmm. Three toes. Three toes. Oh. I said, why would the goblins be tormenting Californians? But maybe they are. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Anyway. Shortly after this, they heard a loud crash coming from Marcia's room. When they ran into her room, they found the large wooden bureau had fallen over and almost crushed her arm. Oh my god, she's under attack. <laughs> she's under attack. I mean, maybe what if it's like a battle between the mom and daughter subconsciously creating oh, like yeah. two of them battling each other. Did you watch Legion yet? Uh-uh. Well, Oliver we and Legion fight like that, kind of. It's pretty cool. Like subconsciously yeah. fight? Yeah. Okay. Oh, That's kind of cool. That's great. You love it? Oh, yeah. When Laura entered Marcia's room, the crucifix above her door came off and crashed into the floor, smashing into pieces. The interesting thing was, in Marcia's room, it was carpeted, <laughs> which would mean yeah. that crucifix had to come down with a lot of fucking mm. force to smash into pieces, or it was made, made cheaply. Of, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Jesus made out of biscuits. Never, never <laughs> smash a crucifix. Jesus, the body of <laughs> Wafers. Yeah. Well, he learned carpentry from Joseph, so maybe it's not that great of a construction oh, of the crucifix. True. <laughs> <laughs> you like covered your mouth and giggle. <laughs> <laughs> Then activity started up in their living room. All three of their recliners were flopping back and forth, at certain points even lifting off of the ground, while nothing else in the room was moving. At that exact point, the chairs were flailing around. The TV was repeatedly making the sound of a doorbell ringing over and over and over. The TV? Apparently, Why? they said it was a staticky TV, and it just kept making a doorbell noise. Well, that's not good. That's don't know. That's so weird. I have no fucking idea. Because that, that TV no is idea. a doorway. Haunted TV. A doorway. <laughs> oh, to the other side. To the, to the other side. I'm sensing skepticism from you. Skepticism. Skepticism from you. <laughs> Couldn't be, because I don't know what that means. But yes, no. No, I don't know. We can see. We can see. Let's let's keep going. Okay. I'm open. My mind, my mind is open. Finally, at their wit's end, the family ran outside to get some help. It just so happened that a neighbor named Janet Halsworth had been walking her dog. Now, apparently, while outside, Laura, Marcia, and Jerry all took notice of the green couch that they had on the porch. It began to lift off of the ground and came slamming down, spilling the 50-pound bag of dog food, a giant bag of onions, and all of the other groceries all over the fucking place. Maybe the ghost... Sorry. What? I was going to say, maybe the ghost doesn't think that you should have a couch on your porch. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. That is true. That's trash trash city. That is a Kentucky sunroom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jerry then told Janet, Uh, Please go get your father because we are in trouble here. (laughs) Get your father. (laughs) So within a few minutes, Janet's father, John Holsworth, whom was a police officer arrived and told them, wait outside while I go inside and check things out. I don't know why it says this, but John lit a cigarette before he headed inside. I guess it was acceptable <laughs> to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. Uh, he then quickly took notice of all of the items and furniture that were just completely thrown around. The kitchen table, dishes were smashed on the floor, utensils were thrown all over the room, a radio was smashed on the kitchen floor, and all sorts of things were out of place. Hmm. 
John asked Jerry, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Jerry didn't have any explanation for him. Jerry then quickly noticed that the TV had rotated 35 degrees. That's so specific. Yeah. I think it's like a <laughs> quarter turn, basically. Yes. John walked, John walked over and placed it back in its correct spot. Right as he turned around, the TV shifted again. Hmm. John corrected the TV's position for a second time. Right when John was doing that, the three recliners violently began opening and closing all by themselves. <laughs> then John took notice that the refrigerator was shifting by itself in the kitchen. Mm. With John being completely perplexed on what the hell was happening, he called for backup from the other officers. Who arrived and said, you pussy. Mm. <laughs> little bitch. Yeah. Little Hallsworth, you little bitch. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> So Officer Carl Leonzi, I think it's Leonzi, <laughs> yeah. and Joe, I think it's Tomic, yeah. would arrive on the scene around 10 a.m., probably about an hour or so after John had investigated. Oh, nice. I need backup in an hour. I mean, how do you call in a, how do you call in, how do you call in a poltergeist? They're not they're going to do That's a good time. point. Yeah. That's a good point. Now, when Officer Tomac rang, rang the doorbell, Laura answered it crying and to take a look around. Now, when he went to take a look around, he quickly noticed that some something had left the master bedroom completely disheveled. He obviously just assumed this had to be someone who had broken into their home. Jerry was trying to explain to Tomek all the weird shit that had been happening, but Tomek was obviously remaining skeptical. Officer Tomek then went over to the TV that had fallen to the floor, put it back on the bureau that it was usually sat upon. As he turned around... It fell off again. Again, Tomek put the TV back up on the bureau. Uh, bureau. Oh my god! It's a how TV. annoying! <laughs> also, strong as hell. Yeah, no these kidding. tubes are. I, I, yeah, these things were fucking heavy. I'm in surprised the 60s. they didn't explode. <laughs> uh, this time, the TV began to hover in the air and began to swing back and forth like a pendulum. Hmm. Then the TV slowed down and it just glided back to its resting spot. Uh, leaving them quite perplexed. But two more officers arrived shortly after this on scene named George Wilson and Leroy Lawson. <laughs> now, obviously, Tomek filled them in on what exactly was going on, but still, Tomek said there had to be a reasonable explanation mm -hmm. for all of this. Of course. Now, the four officers were in the kitchen at this point, and while Tomek had his back turned to the refrigerator, the other officers noticed that the refrigerator had lifted six inches off of the floor. So this is now just happening in plain sight of Basically, everybody. in front of fucking everybody. This thing does not care at oh, all. That's good. No, after all witnessing the refrigerator floating, it just slowly returned down to the floor again. The officers checked all around the refrigerator to see if something was being done as part of a elaborate hoax. They checked in the basement underneath where the refrigerator what, was. What, ma magnetic levitation or something? Or? They thought maybe it was like some device they had down there. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't find anything at all, though, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. So stupid. <laughs> While Officer Tomek would later say he couldn't explain how some of these things had moved, uh, one thing he thought was just a little weird was that during all of the paranormal shit happening in front of the officers, Marcia had been just sitting on her recliner watching cartoons, not even having the slightest bit of emotion on her face. <laughs> that shit was going on. Well, so that's the I creepiest. Don't know. That's, yeah, that's very like, frightening. It makes you wonder if either she's expecting this or 
doing she's it. Doing it and doesn't yeah. realize she's doing it. You know, very weird. Uh, the officers had been at the home for about an hour at this point. They decided to call the fire department to check out the foundation to see if they could uh, find something that was wrong with the home and called the ambulance to look at Laura's crushed foot. Well, that is good. Actually. Yeah, they that made her, good. she didn't want to, but they would make her go to the hospital because she had yeah. two broken toes. Mm. Yeah. But the experiences weren't over for the officers. They heard a loud, loud crash from Marcia's bedroom and noticed that her bureau had fallen over again. And shortly after that, all four of the officers took notice of a golden wooden cross that was nailed to the wall that began to swing back and forth like a pendulum, just like the TV had. Mm. After a few short seconds, the cross popped off of the wall and ended up hitting Officer Leroy Lawson right in the chest. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently after this, uh, Officer Leroy went running out of the house, and he said, I'm not fucking going back yeah, in that smartest house. guy here. Yeah. Now, the fire department and ambulance arrived shortly after, and for the most part, at this point, the firemen didn't see that much action, or at least not as much actions as the police officers had, but they witnessed a few slight things, such as the TV moving, a vase moving, and they began to smell sulfur and ozone. There we go. We've heard this a lot. And paranormal shit. Yeah. What do you think this guy's name is here? Zerwin? Zerlin? Zwirline. Zwirline? Zwirline. I don't know. Zwirline. I just say Polish name. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Deputy Fire Chief Zerwin. He was there, by the way. We don't know what his name is. Uh, he was realizing that something a little unexplainable was going on within this house. Told Jerry... He was going to contact Father Doyle, the firehouse chaplain. The fire chief said to Father Doyle over the phone. I'm not drunk, but this was (laughs) what is happening here, Father. I feel like they might have had a drinking problem in the fire station at this point. I'm not drunk right now. Father, Father, I'm not drunk. This is what's going on here. Two goddamn Irish clowns in there. (laughs) So... After the fire chief uh, gave Father Doyle a brief rundown of uh, what was going on, he soon left to pick up Father Doyle from St. Patrick Church. When Father Doyle arrived, he claimed he could feel the thickness in the air. Father said, There's an evil spirit in this place. (laughs) Father had brought his leather case containing all the items needed for a Christian sorcerer. (laughs) Rosary beads. Holy water and a small Bible. <laughs> now, according to Father Doyle, initially he had placed his vial of holy water on the table, intending to do a blessing on the home. Now, with Officer Tomic watching, when Father tried to grab the vial, it tipped over by itself before he could even touch Whoa. it. Remember this happening? If you guys look close, this happened on Hereditary. Oh. Yes. That's when right. she's trying to grab the paint, paint. it knocks over. Oh, you're right. She yeah, it. she doesn't even touch it. Very nice. So very, he very nice. <laughs> so he set so he set the vial back upright and tried it again, but the vial tipped over again. Fearing the evil spirit was too powerful for Father Doyle, he decided to wait and contact the exorcist Father Alphonse Trubo. I think that's his yeah, name. that's a, that's a good one. Doyle, you bitch. Yeah, Doyle but, couldn't handle it. But Ashley, as we know. With procedure with the Catholic Church, you have to jump through a lot of red tape to actually get approval for some sort of exorcist to happen in the house. 
<laughs> I, you, I've tried several times. It doesn't work. <laughs> now, now the Gooden, now the Gooden's house at this point was filled to the brim with all sorts of officers, firemen, EMT, hmm. neighbors, and Jerry's brother Edmund. Hey, also Edmund. Hey, Edmund. He's he's kind of a cool cat, so I named him. All right, good. <laughs> uh, a, wo- a woman named Mary Pascarella might have heard through the grapevine all of the action that was going on and decided she better stop by. Now, why Mary Pascarella is important is because she was part of the local paranormal group called Psychic Research Center, and Mary Mm. would offer them some assistance. Now, being that Mary was familiar with poltergeist and the belief that they seemed to revolve around the young girl, she tried to work with Marcia for a short time while testing some things, including her psychic powers. She literally... Tried to made her focus at like an alcohol container. Said, "Make that tip over." Ah, uh, boo! That's but how it works, yeah. but Marcia just got bored, and then the boredom <laughs> turned to anger, and she just said, "Fuck this! I'm not doing it anymore." Took off. Yeah. Now, while it sounds like a lot has a lot of shit has went down, keep in mind the Gooden's house had been flooded with cops, people, and other emergency service people, and it had barely reached the early afternoon <laughs> of this day. Oh, they just keep calling more and more yeah, people to come geez. look at it. Part two is strictly paranormal action that transpires over maybe like three days, and it's just chaos within the home. <sighs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, with all the action going on, they had forgotten to even fucking eat. So to take a breath, they all went down to... The local Burger King for lunch. Oh. Are we doing advertising? Are we for Burger King? <laughs> I mean, is this a product placement? Okay, or I wish. Chicken uh, fries. Yeah. Only at I, I'm going to assume 1960s Burger King was like good. Like a legit Probably Applebee's quality. Yeah. Applebee's yeah. quality. Ooh, <laughs> America's Bar and Grill. Ooh, went fancy. Mm. <laughs> now, after the Goodins were gone from the house, Mary Pascarella decided that she maybe should call a few experts and ask for some additional advice well within the next day a couple of very famous presumed hucksters we're all too familiar with on the show could it be are about to make an appearance that being of course ed and lorraine warren Uh, and with them with them coming in that's where we're picking up from part two so you can so you can about imagine what fun they're gonna bring to oh. the party I here so i'm so excited it's uh yeah bag. so a lot of tragedy the shit's kind of popping off right yeah. now it's popping really off. gonna be popping off next week <laughs> this <laughs> is uh, <laughs> but, uh, you, you brought us to a cliff and now i can't wait to go over it i'm gonna pop right off that cliff yeah <laughs> as you know the warrens make everything more entertaining yeah because so. yes. they're buffoon baboons, <laughs> <Yeah>. baboons. <laughs> with two bees that's right <laughs> Uh, Cody, great job! Thank really you. stellar. Thank you. Mm, Thanks for bringing. Wait, let's make predictions amazing. from anybody. You think it's real at this point? Anybody? Real. What do you think, Ashley? I'm I'm leaning like 85 percent real at this point. I'd say I'd say it's uh, yeah I'd say it's real. I'd just because cre- I'd creep it real. <laughs> I don't know how that little girl is picking up a phrase. There's no fu- No, absolutely not. Well, poltergeist is all subconscious. Are you? Is it subconscious psychic powers, or are they conjuring a spirit? It's I don't like remember. energy, it isn't depends, it? It depends. Yeah. It depends. But but I'm saying a lot of the shit is like the Enfield stuff. 
Sure. Because yeah. those girls did a lot of that same stuff. Mm. So it's yeah. very crazy. Mm-hmm. Spooky. Yeah. I'll absolutely. tell you what, uh, my hackles are up. So <laughs> great job. If your hackles are up, you can tell me about it at uh, send me an email at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod, Facebook and Instagram, bumblebuttpodcast. Now it's time for the most important part of the show, at least if you ask Cody. The iTunes reviews. We've been let down again. God That's like four weeks it. in a fucking oh row. Oh, my Look, God. Look, iTunes boycotted us for talking shit about them, so. That's what on can us, we then. do? Yeah. yeah. Whoops. Well, fuck you. Hey, leave us a review. Uh, thumbs up on Spotify. Mm. That would be great. Mm. Mm-hmm. Also, we have a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash podcast. Donate at any level, and uh, we'd like you for it. Yeah, if you want to hear my real life ghost stories, check out. Creep it reels. Whoa. Patreon. Patreon. Whoa. Yes. Patreon.com forward slash creep it real pod. There you go. Yeah. That's right, guys. And thank you for being here, Creep It Real. That's been Ashley thank- at Creep It Real Pod. Thanks. Cast. Pod. <laughs> pod. Creep It Real Pod. At Creep It Real Pod. That's been Bianca at Creep It Real Pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you guys for coming on. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for having us. Thanks, you guys. Oh, yeah. Y'all no. are awesome. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Uh, Jordan. Enjoy yourself. Thank you, Jordan. He's got Thank two you, Cody. He's got two more. He's got one more week off. Yeah. Then so. he's back mm. from maternity. Or Are you guys I'll... really put him on like a paternity leave? No, paternity leave. <laughs> he put himself on one. Okay. Okay. No, he can take as much as uh, he wants. We're nice. We're nice, uh, nice coworkers. Boys. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, that's going to do it for everybody here at the Bumble Podcast and Creepy Real Podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Have a nice weekend, unless it's Tuesday.